This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4 Z out of Brisbane, Australia. You're listening to Only Human on 4 Z and Z Digital. And uh, next up on our show, we're talking to Fincina Hopgood, who is a lecturer in cinema at the University of New England. She spent most of her working life looking at and improving the representation of people with mental health issues on Australian screens. I talked to her about how she got into this issue. My name is Fincina Hopgood, and while I do have a PhD in cinema studies, no one calls me Dr Hopgood, so Fincina <laughs> is absolutely fine. You said you've got a background in cinema, is that right? Tell us about that. Basically, I'm a lecturer in screen studies at the University of New England, which is in Armidale in New South Wales, mm-hmm. uh, but I essentially grew up in the film industry. My father is an actor and a scriptwriter. He's worked in theatre, film and TV, so it's just been part of my family history, I guess, since the day I was born. But you were never tempted to get in front of the camera yourself? Both my brother and I, when we were children, did a bit of acting uh, because it was just something that was natural. It was like, yeah, someone needs a kid who's the age of eight, let's put them (laughs) in this film, whatever. And for me, it wasn't about acting. It was about being on set. I absolutely loved being on set and watching the crew at work and watching the director I don't think I was very good at it. My brother was a natural. He got lots of invitations for lots of shows like Neighbours and Home and Away. But for me, I was more interested in watching what other people do on set. And I think the creative process of filmmaking was always a passion for me. Mm, actually, I'm interested today in how you kind of a little bit branched away from that. How did, how did you get to do some research on empathy and portrayals of mental illness in Australian visual culture? Yeah, it's fascinating where your research can take you, isn't it? Um, mm. And that's what makes it so interesting. Well, of course, when I realised I wanted to turn film into my passion and my profession and I loved teaching at university, everyone says, well, you have to do a PhD, you have to come up with a topic. And around that time in the late 90s, there were some really interesting films that I found quite fascinating because in these films we had the hero or the heroine as someone living with a mental illness and we were being invited by the filmmakers to actually empathise with that person. Um, and these were very, very different films. They're not all the same. Um, and, and everyone has different opinions of them. But one that I really loved at the time was Donnie Darko. That was one of my personal favourite films. Mm. But I was also really interested in films like Fight Club, for example, or films even from European art cinema. There was one called Return of the Idiot, based on Dostoevsky's novel, The Idiot. Mm-hmm. And both of these films, even though they were radically different, one was a commercial Hollywood film, one was a European art film, they all wanted you as the audience member to empathise with the central protagonist and see the world from his point of view, understand his emotions and not judge him or not be afraid of him. And I thought, wow, this is really interesting. It's something I hadn't seen before. So, of course, being someone who's interested in the Australian film industry, I started looking around for similar films. This was in the 90s that had approached this, I guess, creative problem, inverted commas, of how do we portray people living with a mental illness or mental health issue in a different way. Mm. Because, of course, most of those portrayals had up to that point been, you know, seeing the person with the mental issue being someone we're either afraid of or someone we might laugh at or someone we might feel sorry for. But what I thought was interesting about these films is they were going beyond that and saying, no, 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 we're not going to ask you to feel sympathy. We're actually going to ask you to feel empathy, to see the world from their point of view, to share their emotions. So, you know, I started brainstorming, as you do when you think of a PhD topic, and I suddenly started connecting the dots between films such as Shine and Cozy and Angel Baby and Angel at My Table. There was a whole group of them in the 90s that were doing things that I thought were really quite interesting. So I decided to embark on my PhD research looking at these films in more detail because up until that point, there wasn't a lot of research from screen studies and from filmmaking 
about these films. Most of the research about how is mental illness portrayed on screen was done by mental health professionals. Mm. And that's very valuable research and really important. But of course, they don't have the insights of the film industry and don't have kind of access to people in the film industry who can kind of talk about, well, we have to balance commercial filmmaking decisions with accuracy, with empathy. And, you know, there's a creative problem that needs to be solved by the filmmaker. So one of the things I really wanted to do in the PhD was actually interview filmmakers and get them to share their perspectives on how they approach this creative challenge of portraying mental illness on screen in a different way. And what did you find so out guess, from these producers? Well, basically, I found out that a key thing in the Australian film industry is that we have a lot of collaboration between the mental health community and the Australian film industry, which yeah. is really growing. And it started about 10 years ago uh, with a collaboration between the Australian Writers Guild, who are a group of scriptwriters, and the mental health charity Sane Australia, and what was known as the Hunter Institute of Mental Health, it's now known as Every Mind. And they got together uh, back in 2007 with a bunch of uh, consumers of mental health services, both people living with a mental health issue and their carers, to talk about, okay, what do we know are some of the challenges for portraying mental illness on screen and how do writers of TV shows and films actually balance their commercial imperatives with this responsibility to be accurate and ethical. And so what they created was a series of guidelines and resources that uh, are still being used today by scriptwriters who might be developing a storyline about living with bipolar or might be developing a storyline about suicide, they help guide scriptwriters to actually be more informed and have more accurate, authentic information at their fingertips. Scriptwriters are kind of being given a gift, if you like. It's a creative gift because instead of relying on the tired old cliches and stereotypes of the mad genius or the psycho killer or the idiot, they can actually go beyond those stereotypes and create a character that's kind of new and rich and diverse. And so I think it's been a long, slow change um, over the last two decades, really starting from the 1990s through the 2000s. But it's a gradual change that I've described as a shift towards empathy. In other words, we're not quite there yet, but we're shifting towards getting the audience, getting the viewers to empathise with the person living with mental illness, mm. not to be afraid of them, not to laugh at them, not to feel sorry for them, but to feel with them. Gosh, it happens to so many of us too. Like one in four people get depression. So it's it's just typical that everyone is going to be affected by mental illness at some point in their lives, isn't it? That's an excellent point, Kim. And I think when I started my research, there wasn't the same awareness about mental health issues in the community as there is now. Like I started this research myself back in 2000. And, you know, there was some discussion about mental health in the community, but it was really still filled with misinformation and fear, absolute fear. Mm. And I think we can see that shift in the course of a decade or more that we now have so many fantastic initiatives such as, you know, Are You OK Day and Mental Health Week, etc., which, you know, not everybody is a positive, uh, not everyone advocates for those, but I think they at least show that there is an awareness now within the community that we can talk about mental health issues and people actually are coming out and acknowledging, well, I have an experience of this or my family member does or my friend does. And that's also helping to shift what we're seeing on our screens. I mean, there's this wonderful symbiotic relationship, I think, between screen media and community attitudes. To some extent, the conversations we have in our community influence the creative process. But I also think it can go the other way. The scriptwriter can explore mental illness or mental health issues from a different angle and can put up a portrayal on screen that we haven't seen before. I think of a show like Please Like Me. Josh Thomas created that mm -hmm. with his mum who lives with bipolar. And I think what he did so beautifully was he married both drama and comedy 
to create a show that was both autobiographical but also beyond autobiography and connected with so many people in different ways because they could say, oh, that's like my family or that's like my mum or that's like me. And again, he was very clever. He created a show that was, yes, about his experiences, but it went beyond that to create something that everyone could tap into and empathise with. That's one of the beautiful things about writing and movies and TV is that they help us understand the world we live in, don't they? And they do have responsibility in that respect. Yeah, it's it's one of the pleasures, I think, for anyone is to see your life reflected back to you in Mm. a way that makes you go, oh, I'm not alone, I've been through that. And, you know, it is important that I think we recognise that screen media is not real life, you know, it is generally fictionalised and it's created for entertainment purposes, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have relevance to our real life and that it doesn't have some kind of relevance to community attitudes. You're listening to Only Human on 4ZZZ and Z Digital. And the project that you wanted to talk to me about, empathy and portrayals of mental illness Mm. in Australian visual culture, that's actually a collaborative project. I'm just one of a team of researchers from lots of different disciplines, from social work, from mental health, from screen studies who are working with mental health organisations such as SANE Australia, such as Every Mind, such as the Mind Recovery College, to basically develop a large-scale research project that can kind of take this research further. And so one of the things that we really are working on and have been working on for the last couple of years is, okay, if there is a positive potential to screen media, if there is something about film and television that can shift things towards empathy and away from fear and away from stigma... How can we really test that? And one of the ideas we've had is we want to take some of the advents in digital technology that we have now, the ability to actually make a film on your iPhone or your iPad relatively easily, means that more and more people with a lived experience of mental health issues can actually pick up a camera themselves now. It's about shifting the conversation from just focusing on professional screen production, as important as that is, to actually look at now community-based or what we might call for want of a better word, non-professional screen production. And there's been a huge explosion in the last you know, five years or so of a whole raft of filmmaking initiatives that are about encouraging people to just tell their stories through screen media and pop it up on the web or share it in community-based screenings. So, for example, we've got an initiative that's just taken off in the last couple of years um, based in Coffs Harbour called the Wreck Your Shorts Film Festival. It's a film festival targeting young audiences and targeting young regional filmmakers. And what's really clever about this festival is it's done in partnership with Headspace Coffs Harbour. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that, you know, they're given a brief. Um, if you're between the ages, I think it's like 12 and 25, you can enter the competition, make a short film under six minutes, but you have to connect to one of the mental health and wellbeing themes that they have each year. So I think the theme last year was connection and that something in your film, it's a bit like Trop Fest where they say you have to use a prop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wreck your shorts, so you have to connect to this theme of connection or well-being. And I think it's a really clever way of actually encouraging screen media to be a part of a conversation about mental health and also to tell people that you too have the power to pick up a camera and tell your story. You don't have to have a really flash camera. You don't have to go to film school. Of course, it's Wonderful if you can because it gives you a broader canvas and you know a broader audience. But it shouldn't be a barrier to entry. It shouldn't be a barrier to telling your story. So in our research project, we really are now looking at, okay, what is the positive potential of all this new digital technology for telling stories about mental health? Yeah. And we're conducting workshops with people with lived experience, giving them a chance to tell their stories. One of our other partners is an international organisation called Art with Impact. And they're based in America and Canada. And what they do is they have an online 
monthly film competition where they invite people to submit their stories about living with depression, living with anxiety or surviving suicide and to use that sharing of stories as a way to educate the community. And what I really like about Art with Impact is they tap into the online potential of screen media, but they also go out and go on the ground and go to communities like high schools and university colleges and hold film screenings. But then after these film screenings, they always have discussion and they have information and they provide support. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I've always tried to advocate for is the importance of telling stories with screen media, with film and TV, but telling them responsibly. And that isn't just about making sure the portrayal is, you know, sensitive and ethical, but it's also about, okay, if you put a portrayal up on screen that deals with something that's quite confronting and traumatic, don't just put it up there. Make sure that there's access to information afterwards or make sure that there's a, a, an actual point of discussion and, if you like, an emotional safe space for debriefing afterwards. I know there's a lot of people out there, young people, making blogs and filming every single thing they do pretty much, putting it mm -hmm. on Instagram or whatever. And there was a blogger who um, filmed a suicide victim in Japan, I think, and it ruined his blogging career, rightly so. But, yeah, uh, yeah there, there's, it's good that there's this initiative to trying to get people to think about the right thing to do in these situations instead of just trying to exploit it for its media sensationalism. So do you think mm -hmm. that, that the people, you know, that the grassroots movement to make videos representing people with mental health issues much better is influencing the bigger picture, you know, Hollywood, for instance? Well, I actually think there is a, a merging of the two industries gradually. It's going to take a lot of grassroots advocacy, as you mentioned. It's going to take a real groundswell of momentum. Mm. But it's also going to take a degree of uh, frankness of discussion within the professional screen industry about... There are many people working in the screen industry who have a, a lived experience and they shouldn't be afraid to draw upon their lived experience, whether they have a, a mental health issue themselves or care for someone who does. Because at the end of the day, drawing upon your lived experience, whether you're working in the profession or whether you're working at the grassroots level, is what's going to create not only more authentic stories, but more interesting stories. Because at the end of the day, we want to move away from stereotypes and cliches and things that we've seen before. We want to see something that's new and that makes us think and makes us reflect on mental health in different ways. Mm. So I think, for example, um, if you look at a film, a more recent commercial film like Silver Linings Playbook, that was a really interesting film because David O. Russell was very open about drawing upon his experience of caring for his son and dealing with his mental health issues. And there's also been a lot of script writers who've actually been very open about drawing upon their mental health experiences in creating some of these stories. Um, it's interesting, I think, that there's always going to be, if you're in the professional screen space, the pressure around commercial imperatives. Yeah. And we saw that, of course, very recently with the controversy around certain reasons why. And what was interesting there was there was a lot of advocacy from mental health organisations for there to be uh, better support around the viewing of certain reasons why. I know one of the concerns was that there weren't sufficient trigger warnings before each episode and there wasn't enough linking to support information after the viewing of each episode. So to watch 13 Reasons Why, if you were triggered or troubled by what you saw, you had to go to a separate website, look up your country. You know, it was actually quite complicated to access support services after watching an episode. And I think that was kind of Netflix not being ethically responsible and recognising that, yes, yeah, sure, this might be a sensational story and it might get lots of news headlines, but at the end of the day, this is uh, material that's very confronting and we have an ethical responsibility. Mm. So it, I think it's interesting, I think... You know, we have to watch this space very carefully because 
some of these commercial players might tap into mental illness portrayals as a way to be sensational, as a way to get you know media attention. We know that there was something like over 600,000 media reports last year on 13 Reasons Why alone. And that's a hell of a lot of free publicity right there. Exactly, yeah. Do you think that 13 Reasons Why could have done that better? They could have like ended their episodes with something that was more helpful than they did? Yeah, there was a lot of discussion about that. Um, the idea that one of the, I guess, risk factors in 13 Reasons Why was sending out this message that if you have a mental health issue, no one's going to listen to you and no one's going to help you. I mm. think that was one of the real problems with that particular show. But I also think the show did some good in the sense that it got people talking about, okay, looking after your mental health, looking after your friends and talking about suicide. I've always been an advocate for talking about suicide. It's not a taboo subject. We should talk about it. But when we talk about it, when we put it on screen, we need to be sensitive, mindful and responsible. And I think it's pretty obvious that the producers of Netflix were rather cavalier in their approach. Their defence of being so graphic was, well, you know, suicide happens and we have to deal with it. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, there are other ways that you can deal with it that still allow you to talk about the issue, but in ways that are not going to be quite so traumatising for people. So it's very much, I think, a brave new world that we're moving into of a more diverse range of screen media about mental health issues, which is great. As I said, we're moving beyond cliches and stereotypes. We're looking for different diverse portrayals. We're looking to empathise with the person living with a mental health issue. But we're still trying to navigate, okay, what can we do that is perhaps going to be interesting creatively, but is still going to be responsible ethically? Mm. And um, that's, I think, and a space that where I really think the grassroots community and the mental health community do need to be part of this discussion and need to be a part of that dialogue so they can talk about, well, these are the kind of things I think we need to have in our screen media. More stories about people, you know, surviving suicide, more stories about people recovering from their mental health issues. I think more positive stories are great. I'm not an advocate of censorship, but I am an advocate of having balance and diversity. Yeah. And I think we need to balance the negative portrayals with more positive ones. Yeah, it's a bit like the argument about the news, isn't it? The news makes the world look like a terrible place because it only ever reports the conflict and the bad things because <laughs> the, new, the good yeah. things aren't that, I don't know, exciting to watch, I suppose. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's, it's always going to be um, a space that is a tension between commercial imperatives and ethical responsibility. And I think we have to bear that in mind. But I think the more people we get in this space, that challenge those dominant professional, you know, commercial portrayals, the better. Um, and I do think, you know, we are now seeing that we have more diverse media forms with, you know, iPhones and iPads. And even in a short five-minute film, you can still contain a very powerful message about mental health. Um, and that's why, you know, initiatives like Art with Impact are really interesting because they show that you can actually get your message out there through a website, through community screenings, and you can get people talking. And I think it's really interesting. We're in a new media landscape generally where people are no longer just tied to broadcasting, you know, your, your limited number of channels on your TV. Now that you've got access to streaming and online content, there's a lot more choice, yeah. a lot more diversity. So it's a question of how we navigate that moving forward. And there's a lot more interaction between the watchers or the listeners and the product as well. Yeah, that's also really interesting too. And I think you definitely see um, around a show like 13 Reasons Why the mental health community actually responding to that show and communicating, you know, both through their social chat networks but also more officially. There's been a lot of advocacy on the part of mental health organisations mm. with Netflix about the second season of 13 Reasons Why, for example, and trying to advocate for more responsible 
approach in their second season. I can't say whether that's worked, but what I can say is that it's very clear that mental health organisations are becoming a lot more media savvy themselves because they recognise the power of screen media to both contribute to stigma but also combat stigma. And I think that's what I'm most interested in as a researcher is there's a lot of research that talks about the negative implications of screen portrayals, but I also want to talk about what's the positive potential of screen portrayals. What can screen media do that actually helps us, you know, advance the discussion beyond stigma towards support and indeed towards empathy? So the project that I mentioned, Empathy and Portrayals of Mental Illness in Australian Visual Culture, that was just a pilot project, if you like. We mm -hmm. received seed funding to develop that project from the Disability Research Initiative and the Melbourne Social Equity Institute at Melbourne Uni. And one of the things we wanted to test was this idea of the positive potential of screen media. We actually held a workshop with a group of uh, filmmakers, of people living with mental health issues, to test out the positive potential of iPads and iPhones for making short films. We now want to take it to the next stage. We now want to kind of upscale this research project, if you like. And so we're actively exploring ways to get more funding behind the project. Uh, we were invited last year to go to a conference in Berlin and present our preliminary findings that really did demonstrate that screen media has the potential to actually foster empathy. And, of course, we know that empathy can lead to social change and attitude. Mm. But as I've said, these are just preliminary findings at this point. They're exploratory research. It's based on this workshop. It's based on the existing research that we have out there. But we need to take it to the next step. And one of the things I would really like to see is within Australia, an initiative similar to Art with Impact in America that actually uses both the online media space and the grassroots workshop space actually on the ground in high schools and in universities. Because at the end of the day, screen media, as we know, has tremendous influence and can really influence social attitudes, particularly at that crucial age of 12 to 25, mm. when we know statistically many people are more likely to have their first experience of a mental health issue yeah. in that age range. And using that art um, aspect of it, the creative aspect of it, is much more engaging for people of those ages too to participate in the topic rather than just having a lecture thrown at them, as it were. Absolutely. That's exactly it. And I think that really shows you the power of creativity to actually get a message across in a way that doesn't feel like you're being preached to, but yeah. you are still learning at the same time. I do love the motto of Art with Impact. I think if I'm paraphrasing it correctly, they say everyone has a mental health story. Talking about it shouldn't be taboo. Hmm. And that's really what they want to do at the end of the day. They want to get people talking about mental health. The screen media is kind of the, the thing that opens up the door, gets through the resistance to talking about mental health. And then once these you know, 18-year-olds have sat down and watched a film together, that's when the conversations can start. And if people don't feel happy talking in a group, that's fine. They can then get online later and contribute to the blog or they might even be inspired to pick up their iPhone and make their own film. And that's the lovely thing about it is that screen media can create these conversations. So if listeners want to know more about you and your research, where can they go? The easiest way to find me <laughs> is to look up The Conversation. The Conversation is a fantastic um, resource that a lot of universities encourage academics like me to share our research findings in a way that's, you know, easy to access. Mm -hmm. So if you look for The Conversation, if you look for FinCINA, F-I-N-C-I-N-A, you'll find a couple of articles there that just give you, I guess, a taste of my research. That is what I've been doing. Um, but also if you look at the University of New England's website, UNE, and you look for my profile, that gives you a little bit more information about this collaborative research project that I'm developing. 
So it's very much a project that's on the go. We're still looking for ideas and collaborations and we're still looking for funding because at the end of the day, to make something like this on a grand national scale, you need more funding. Mm. So you'll be able to read about that project on my UNE profile page. Okay. And also, if you like this idea of screen media, definitely check out Art with Impact. If you look for Art with Impact, get their website and you'll see they've got this fabulous library of short films about a whole range of different mental health issues and for me, they're really inspiring. Uh, they're a great example of how you can use screen media for positive change. Well, you just answered the question I was about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have one other question, and that is, sure, sure. out of the uh, your research into Australian visual culture, what is the thing that you would most recommend for people to watch? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, I've, already, I've already mentioned Please Like Me. That's a personal favourite of mine. Mm-hmm. I don't like to recommend one thing because everybody has their own stories that inform their viewing experiences. And, you know, I might say that I found, you know, Please Like Me really heartwarming and really funny and someone else might watch Please Like Me and find it incredibly depressing. (laughs) So I don't like to be too prescriptive in that regard about what you should or shouldn't watch. My suggestion is always to be open to trying something new that you may not otherwise have thought you would like to watch. And I would always encourage people to explore different forms of screen media. We tend to think that we should be looking at what's happening in feature films or what's happening in TV programs. But as I said, if you go to Art with Impact, that shows you what a short film can do. But sometimes short films can be more creative than mainstream media. So with short films, you can have animation, you can have different styles of storytelling. And sometimes these different styles of storytelling, I think, are more effective in capturing what it feels like to live with depression what it might feel like to go through an episode where you're contemplating suicide. So I think sometimes getting away from the commercial imperatives of the film and TV industry actually allow people to be more creative. So in this day and age, we can access so many different forms of screen media. Mm. Um, Be brave, try something new and be bold. (laughs) That was what I would say. And who knows, you might end up making a film for Wreck Your Shorts. (laughs) Exactly. Also, that's a great recommendation. So Wreck Your Shorts, they have a website as well. And some of their finalists are up on their on their website too. So if you look for Wreck Your Shorts, Short Film Festival, it's been going for a couple of years in Coffs Harbour. And yeah, there's some really lovely films there. I would recommend them. You are listening to the Only Human podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. Love community media? You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4ZZZFM.org.au.